0: Is the Talking Dead,
1: a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead.
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 585, recorded on Monday. May the 9th, 2022. Mm. Welcome everyone to the show. Jason, how are you doing this week? You all better from uh, the COVID?
1: I'm all better from the COVID. I feel kind of crappy right now. I think my son has a cold and I might have a, I might have a cold. So
0: you recovered from COVID-19, the yes. the uh, disease du jour of the last two years. Uh-huh. And now you just have a regular cold. So you feel crappy I, again.
1: My, my throat feels kind of uh, un- unsettled and uh, stuffed up a little bit. I feel kind of achy. It's not covid again, uh, but
0: I do feel crappy, maybe are you sure you just never fully recovered? maybe, maybe well, that st- could be you still have the lingering effects,
1: yeah, well, you know, being of a certain age, uh I've kind of come to terms with the fact that I'm just gonna feel crappy forever, yeah, all the time I, <laughs> it, I just you know, but I don't want to have a cold right now, so sure uh yeah i'm i'm very uh very displeased with uh, what's going on in my uh sinuses in my throat at the moment.
0: That's no good. But you're back at work. Everybody's back at school. I mean, if, yep. unless he's, can't because he's sick again, but.
1: No, he's back at school. He's just sneezing and runny nose kind of thing. He's fine.
0: I'm surprised they let him go with that these it's days. just a cold. It's well, yeah, cold. I know that, but still, like, you should stay home if he's sick. I mean, most people would want him to, but I'm surprised. Anyways. Eh, it's not. It's not terrible. He's not, uh, he's not affected
1: by it other than every once in a while he just goes, achoo, achoo, it's probably allergies, right? Because it's, it's allergy season too, right? And he's got, he definitely has allergies like his mom.
0: That's true. Actually, some of the people in my family are suffering from those a little bit as well. So you may be right, but anyways, uh, too bad to hear you're still feeling kind of crappy. Maybe one of these days you'll be all better.
1: You know, I just want 15, 20 minutes of feeling just fine a week. And that'd be great. That'd be know? really really nice, that, yeah. Is that, that, that too much to ask for? That might be at your age. It might be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, anyways, uh, you know, I'm like I said, glad you're officially over the COVID, I guess. What, but uh you'll you'll get better soon. Sure. What are we here to do? We are here to talk about some Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead, to be precise. We've got two more episodes to discuss. And I think it will be an interesting conversation. But before that, I have a little bit of Walking Dead news I want to cover, mostly related to the, (laughs) I guess, the new Walking Dead Daryl spinoff show. Oh, Walking Dead Daryl. Is that what it's called? Maybe. It should be. The Walking Dead Daryl. I
1: can't can't imagine a better name than that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully they come up with something because that's all we've got. Uh, So as you know, everyone, we reported last time that Melissa McBride had exited the show. She wasn't going to be on anymore. It was no longer the Daryl and Carol Variety Hour. It was now just the Daryl show. Um, And a few things have happened since that announcement. Mm. The, The main thing I want to talk about is that there's been some backlash directed at Norman Reedus over all of this for some reason well for some reason yeah the i the idea is that a lot of fans and i put fans in air quotes when i say that because these people lashed out very strongly at norman Reedus, blaming him for melissa mcbride dropping out of the show
1: well, you know that the word fan is a derivation of the word fanatic. Fanatic. Right? So, yeah. uh you have to keep that in mind whenever you talk about fans. It's like, uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Well, but they're they're mad
0: at Daryl. or they're mad at Norman Reedus for uh for Melissa McBride leaving. They they blame him for it. They think her decision was based on the fact, uh, sorry. They think that he is the reason the show moved production to Europe. And moving production to Europe is what made her drop out of the show because she didn't really want to do that. As they said, it became untenable for her to film in Europe. And the reason they think Redis is responsible for this is because he's, well, maybe one of the reasons. He's married to Diane Kruger, a German actress, probably German-American. I don't know for sure. I'm just speculating. But she's got family over there, and they think that he forced AMC's hand and said, I'm not doing this unless we film and, and produce this thing in Europe because I want to live there with my wife and her family, I guess. And that caused Melissa McBride to drop out. So fans got nasty. They said a bunch of bad stuff. You know how the internet goes, Jason. They, they attacked him for this. And it was a really shitty situation all around. Now, it prompted Jeffrey Dean Morgan to come out and make this tweet. He said, attacking Norm for crap he has nothing to do with. Melissa made a call that was hers alone. She wants slash needs a break. Respect that. Factors involved that are nobody's business. Norm, who's given more than anyone to you all, just shitty in all caps. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And that's fair. I mean Is there any any basis for this other than his wife is German? You know what? I didn't dig into it any deeper than that, to be honest with you. That was you know reported by some of the media outlets. Again, probably just speculation. Uh, but the bottom line is they were thinking this is Norman's fault and all the Melissa McBride fans are like, screw that guy. Our favorite's not going to be in the show anymore. So, you know, he can go suck it. Um, Norman Reedus was on Jimmy Fallon. And he spoke briefly about Melissa McBride's decision. He just said 12 years is a grueling schedule. She wanted to take some time off, and she's doing that. She deserves it. Yeah. Fair enough. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. So I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time because, uh,
1: well, for, for several reasons. One is uh, Norman Reedus's fans are not on Norman Reedus's. Let's see. It's got to be uh, Melissa McBride's fans that are going after
0: Norman Reedus because the people that like Norman Reedus do not go against Norman Reedus. No. Like they are fanatical. Yeah, it's it's Melissa's fans. I think that this really were the source of this. Right? Norman Reedus's fans are probably like, great. We still got a show with our favorite actor in it. Uh, so, and the second
1: reason I have a problem with this is, uh, you know, making a call. Like, even if it, even if the, the even if the facts. Were that he is forcing AMC's hand to uh, produce the show in, uh, Europe, uh, for whatever, because of personal reasons. I want to be closer to my wife and her family and I don't want to have to travel for the production time. Yep. You know, that kind of decision, um, it doesn't seem like something Norman Reedus would do. He's a sweet guy and, you know, making a decision where, uh, it's actually going to, uh, you know, affect a lot of people's lives. Right. It's, it, you know, there's, there's a whole crew of people that are not going to get hired now because uh, if he wants to, t- to produce the show in, in Europe, like that's, you gotta, t- it's gotta be a huge ego to make that kind of call mm-hmm. to say, I'm not going to go on board unless you do this thing in Europe because that's where I want to be,
0: you know, fucking with a whole bunch of people's livelihoods. It's it's hard to believe that he would do that. Absolutely. I'm not saying that he didn't. Uh, and who knows what really happened behind the scenes, but regardless of any of that it doesn't make it okay to attack someone and come out uh and just be shitty like that absolutely you know, right yeah. that's that's the the bottom line like no matter how much of a dick norman is or not a dick we don't know you, you know two <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right <laughs> it's very simple you know you don't be jerks people. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, I choose to believe that Melissa just needs a break from the show and that Norman had nothing to do with this decision. Uh, and, and that's just the way it is. You know, it doesn't mean that you're never going to see Melissa McBride in something again, Walking Dead or otherwise, and everything will be fine. You don't need to be jerks about it. Yeah. Don't be jerks. No, Just it's, don't be jerks. You know How hard is it not to be a jerk? It's uh, pretty easy not to be a jerk, I think. I think it's pretty easy too, but in this day and age, a lot of people seem to uh, not be able to handle that. Uh, AMC put out a comment as well. They basically said the same thing. It reads, we would like to acknowledge the response to this week's news related to the previously announced Daryl and Carol Walking Dead spinoff. Norman Reedus is being unfairly targeted and attacked in social media for a decision he had no part in. Melissa McBride decided she could not participate in the series because relocating to Europe became logistically untenable for her. It is inappropriate to direct negativity and anger at another cast member for a disappointing outcome he had nothing to do with. Carol is a beloved and vital character, and we are working to find a way for fans to again follow her story as only Melissa could uh, live to in the expanding walking dead universe around the walking dead i messed up that sentence but you know what i mean the fans yeah. have always been the driving force between behind the walking dead family and always will be that's what they had to say so right. that's essentially it. back off and don't be jerks back off and don't be jerks. exactly okay uh the other bit of news surrounding the walking dead daryl spinoff show is that Angela Kang was supposed to be the showrunner of this show, Mm -hmm. but she has now uh, been replaced with a different person running this show. Uh, His name is David Zabel, or Zabel, Z-A-B-E-L. He is apparently a longtime ER showrunner. Oh, yeah. And he's coming on to do the Daryl in Europe show. Deadline.com reported this, and from their article, Kang stepped aside to concentrate on other projects she has in development with AMC, we're told. As The Walking Dead winds down its 11th and final season, Kang will serve as executive producer on the spinoff, along with Scott M. Gimple, among others. Zabel's deal was sealed in recent weeks, before McBride's exit was assured. While scripts for the spinoff we're pretty far down the line before McBride's departure. A strategic pivot is taking place now to meet the start of shooting overseas in the next two or three months. So there's actually actually some information in there in that uh, the, the showrunner switch was made before... Melissa McBride's exit was assured. Yeah. Now, it sounds like these things were happening at the same time, so they probably influenced each other. Maybe Kang got word that this was happening and then decided that she didn't want to be involved either. Again, we don't know, um, but it doesn't seem like one thing followed the other or that they really had a direct causal relationship in any way which I think is interesting. And then he also, or uh, AMC also says, you know, we're, she's gone. So there's nothing we can do. And because we already had these scripts all done pretty much, we're now, um, we're now pivoting to make sure we can still meet shooting. And that's obvious, obviously something they'd have to do. But I wonder if um, they brought in this new showrunner to help do that because Kang had produced all these or partly written all these scripts maybe and just having her rework them all at this point maybe wasn't tenable for her so they bring in a new guy with fresh eyes and is like how do we fix this right <laughs> you know that's that's all i can think but either way big changes uh around the daryl variety hour whatever it is now
1: yeah yeah the uh zombie dead daryl zombie dead no, the daryl. walking
0: dead daryl that was it all right good well that's that. Uh, still going into production soon and still going to premiere next year, 2023, as far as we know at this point, you know. All right. Before we get into Fear the Walking Dead, I'm going to play a call here from Scott and Pasadena related to all this in a way. Super, super, super.
2: Howdy, y'all. This is Scott from Pasadena. Um, I, lo- I have fallen off listen- watching any of the Walking Dead shows, but I still listen to the podcast because I love the two of you so much and your interaction so much. It's so great. Um, I was calling in with a thought about the Carol and Daryl Variety Hour and how Carol's not going to be on it. Um, It it might just be because I'm a big fan of Shakespeare, but I would solve this problem with a shipwreck. Um, I would have uh, Carol and Daryl on a ship, you know, a raft that they've built uh, uh, on the way to Europe. Um, And, you know, just when they were sight of land, there's a big storm that comes up and it tears them apart. And uh, Daryl loses sight of her. And Carol is, you know, we don't know if she's dead or what. Um, and that way she can, you know, come back to the show, join the show anytime, but, uh, Daryl can kind of be on his own. Um, and after looking for her, you know, having his adventures in Europe. So anyway, that's how I would solve it. Um, again, love the podcast. Uh, love you guys. Be well. And, uh, Jason, I hope you're recovering well from COVID-19. Be well, y'all. Bye.
0: All right. Thank you, Scott. So, I mean, if we're worried about storyline and how to fix the fact that Melissa has left this show, Scott's got it all figured out. Shipwreck.
1: Yeah, well, there's, I'm realizing that there's very few problems in life that can't be solved with a shipwreck. (laughs) Right. You know? I mean, if they can do it in Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, and you can do it here, right? If you're going to, if you're going to set sail, uh, you know, you can solve a lot of problems with a shipwreck. Why is there always never
0: any rum? That's my favorite (laughs) line in, in Pirates. There's always not never any rum or something like that (laughs) well yeah she can you know shipwreck she can float away one way he floats away another way nobody's dead we follow him for a while she can come back she could have her own show she could turn up again in north america on uh on the uh maggie and negan show i mean mean, walking dead daryl walking dead carol it all works that's right
1: yeah so walking dead negan not so much
0: not as much no So anyways, thank you, Scott, for that. I think that solves all your problems, AMC. So listen to Scott. Always listen to Scott. Absolutely. All right. Fear the Walking Dead, season seven. Episode 11 is called Ophelia. And episode 12 is called Sunny Boy. Sunny Boy. Yeah. Um, Now, Ophelia, Jason... I want to know it was directed by Alicia debnam Carey, who who plays Alicia on the show. Cool, cool, cool. I think it's really one of her first directing efforts, and this is something we knew was going to happen, but we didn't know which episode it was going to be until recently. Uh And here we are with her directed episode. Now, this one focuses primarily on Luciana and Daniel, and I'm just going to start by saying... That I actually thought this was a pretty good episode. Uh, certainly compared to what we've seen recently on *Fear the Walking Dead*, which has not been good. But this one didn't drive me crazy, and I didn't hate it. And I thought there was some stuff to like here.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean that's like getting into a car wreck and saying, uh, you know, I'm sure I broke my leg, but I have two. Like, I just, this leg over here is fine. Right. I mean, sure. I broke this leg and it, it, you know, it shattered into a million
0: pieces, but that leg right there, you know, relatively speaking, it's, it's doing well. Doing okay. Right. It's, it's doing okay. Yeah. Okay. So the rest of the episodes are a, a shattered leg and this one is your, your still good leg. Oh, I didn't like it. Like, oh, really?
1: but you know, saying that is like, you know, relatively okay. Uh, it's, it, it is relative. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my, okay. So. I've got a bit of a cold. I'm recovering from COVID-19. I'm in a really crappy mood. (laughs) I've been in a really crappy mood for a couple of weeks now. So perfect time to podcast then. So perfect time to podcast. I'm tired. I had a long day. Uh, I could probably just go to bed and be happy with that. I haven't had nearly enough coffee uh, throughout the day. I've only had two large coffees. You know, That's not, well, two and a half. And it's just not enough for me. Are you sure? That sounds like a lot. It does sound like a lot, but it's not. There's never enough. Too much is never enough. Okay. So here, that's all a bunch of preamble to get to me, get me to this very spot. I don't like this show anymore. I don't want to watch it anymore. I didn't like this episode. I thought it was annoying. Uh, I didn't quite understand uh, a lot of aspects of this show. This episode, in particular, is the, the the next episode, uh, Danny Boy. Uh, Sonny Boy. Sonny Boy, whatever. Uh, that had its own problems, but yeah, this, well, I, I just don't care anymore.
0: Yes. I agree with that. I find it difficult to care very much about this show, these characters in general anymore. I, I stand by the fact that I think this one was okay. You know, that very well may be just Compared to everything else being so awful, when you get one that's just not that awful, you f- you feel better about it. But I will say that the next episode, Sunny Boy, uh, awful again. I hated Sunny Boy. Uh, everything about it, I hated. Yeah. And you know, I've said before, I feel bad when I say that, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend I think something was okay when it just wasn't. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about Ophelia first. And like I said, this primarily focuses on Luciana and Daniel and I guess Wes to to a certain degree too, Um, but really Daniel's memory problems and his deteriorating mental state. And the whole thing starts with him doing these mental exercises with Lucy. And then he calls her Ophelia at one point, which of course is his daughter who is dead. Uh, But apparently he's improving. You know, it's like doing Sudoku. It keeps your mind... A, um, occupied and active and working and practicing and stuff like that. So,
1: is that what that's for? Sudoku is to keep, it, apparently it keeps your mind active. Well, I,
0: Yeah, I think anything like that is supposed to keep you sharp, right? Um, but she's helping him. She's trying to help him, and I, and I appreciate that. Appreciated that. And I did think a lot of their interactions, especially early on, were were kind of nice and good. Um, but ultimately, what happens is. Daniel sneaks out of the sub, he goes looking for Ophelia, he seems to think she's alive because one of the flashcards they were using for his memory had a boat on it, which reminds him of the Abigail, which was the boat way back in, I don't know, season two or whatever it was. So Lucy and Wes go after him, and then most of the episode focuses on their adventure, for lack of a better word, which involves being captured by Arno and his group, which we are calling the Stalkers. And the Stalkers take them back to their kind of weird Stalker HQ that is a salvage yard known as Manny's Salvage Yard that involves a bunch of raised platforms and shacks all connecting a whole bunch of boats. Right, right. right. Like boats on land, dry dock. Dry boats, dry, dry boats, dry boats. Right, not wet yeah. boats. Dry boats. No, 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 no. It would never be wet boats. No. These are these are dry boats. Right. So that's more or less, you know, the overall kind of what happens in this episode. I do want to start off with something that I did think was super dumb, and it's just you know, typical Fear the Walking Dead. Before they get captured by Arno's guy, uh, well, Arno and his people. Daniel's out there. He gets attacked by a stealth walker that appears out of nowhere. And the thing is like right on top of him, basically knocking him down. And what's the first thing he does, Jason? Did you notice? It takes his mask off. Yeah. He he reaches up, takes his mask off as he's like being tackled by a walker. And it's just so stupid. Like the mask can provide some protection from a walker trying to bite your nose. You know? can't see
1: a face, right? It's like Spider-Man getting attacked. The first thing Spider-Man does when he gets attacked is take the mask off. It's the first thing Tony Stark does. It's if you if you have a superhero like Daniel uh, that has a mask on, you got to take the mask off because why would you pay to show somebody's face on TV
0: or in a movie and not show their face? Well, you know you what? Mask off. But 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 what I don't understand about this is why The writers or the director or the producers or whoever think that let's get the mask off as he's being attacked. And this is such a little thing, right? But like make him fall down. Keep the mask on. Once the zombie is killed, he can get up and take the mask off because he's out of breath and he needs to breathe. Like there are so many simple, uh, better ways of doing it, but they go for this. I, I just don't get it. Like no one sat around and went, guys, that's dumb. Let's do it the other way when it's not dumb.
1: I think they fired all the people that say, "Guys, that's dumb."
0: I mean, I'm I'm afraid that uh, everybody who was
1: uh, in a position where they could they felt comfortable in saying, "This is dumb. I don't think this is a good idea. We shouldn't do this." Uh, they've all been fired or been beaten down hard enough that they don't speak up anymore, right? Because the, the there's uh, there is no "this is dumb." Uh, you know, voice in the show anymore. They
0: they just don't have that voice. They don't have that filter anymore. For some it, it's reason,
1: it's been they've been beating that filter down for for years now. It's true, right? We got the <laughs> I, I give you uh, airplane parts that they built to go over a mountain, and then a, a beer can a hot air balloon.
0: I know. You know, I, exhibit A. <laughs> <laughs> exhibit A, and then it's the big things like that, and then it's the little things like like this. Um. I do think there was less of that in this one, which may, again, probably contributed to why I thought it was all right. Um, But that was early on. And I just, at that point, watching this for the first time, did not have a good feeling about things uh, going forward. So, you know, a big part of this episode, Jason, is Daniel's mental state. And I want to read an email here from Jen in California, who writes... With May being Mental Health Awareness Month, I feel like it's important to address how Daniel's illness is being portrayed on fear. Just when you think this show couldn't get any worse, I am disturbed by the show's portrayal of Daniel as dangerous, gullible, and easily manipulated because of his illness. I know it's just a TV show, but contributing to the stigma of mental illness just feels so irresponsible, especially for a show we've applauded for being so inclusive in its casting, and character choices makes me really disappointed in amc am i the only one who has noticed this so so i do think we have praised the walking dead's mainly the primary show the main show for its uh diversity and casting and characters and stuff like that I, not as much on fear but i i don't think i would complain about fear at all in that department uh they've had all kinds of different sorts of people on here and stuff like that um but here we are Portraying someone with some sort of mental illness, uh, dementia, yeah. or something like that, and Jen is rather offended by how they've done it, and that's fair.
1: Absolutely, and it, it's hard. It's hard to portray, uh, you know, any kind of mental illness on TV and movies, and not, uh, and get it absolutely correct. In every case, because not, not every case is the same, right? Not every, uh, uh, even, you know, people that have, uh, a mental illness that has been cattle categorized, uh, do not exhibit symptoms exactly the same way. So everything is, is, uh, is subjective and different. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, getting it right is, uh, you can get it right for one circumstance and be wrong in a whole others. Totally. A bunch of others. Totally. So, uh. But you know, if you if we might get into a point where we can't do anything, like uh, you know, portraying anything on TV because uh, you might you worry about offending somebody. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't and didn't. I'm just uh, I'm saying that uh, I'm not entirely sure what I'm saying. But you know, as far as uh, you know, the dementia. What exactly uh, do we know? Uh, how this
0: differs from uh, what would normally, what, what they should have portrayed? No. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit. And that was, and this is even before I received Jen's email. Um, what we know about Daniel is that he's having trouble remembering things. He's losing his memory a little bit, right? Back, uh, before there was that, episode at the dam remember and they had all the weapons hidden in the shed or whatever and he couldn't remember what could he not remember he couldn't remember something right and it was just a memory problem and he wasn't even aware that he was unable to remember things but now we've gotten this far along and he seems to have accepted the fact and he's accepting her help uh but it seems to have progressed to something else now where he he's confusing Lucy with his dead daughter, Ophelia, yeah. which is a different thing than, I, I mean, maybe it isn't a different thing than just losing your memory. I I'm not really sure to be honest. I mean, what I wanted to say is that I don't really know a lot about this kind of thing. I have been you know. in this way, very, very lucky to not have any direct family members that have experienced this sort of thing. Um, in my side of the family or my my in-laws side of the family so i can't really comment on what it's like from any sort of personal experience but what they depicted in this episode to me much of it felt uh, to me like it was plausible and and plausible doesn't necessarily mean they depicted it well but i'm thinking of things like when he he confuses her and calls her Ophelia. You know, she's his caretaker in a way or she's helping him with these sorts of things. They're probably around each other a lot. And to be honest, they they're kind of similar. They look a little bit similar, right? And I could see that happening to someone in real life, you know, confusing someone who's there with a direct family member that hasn't been there for a long time or or something along those lines. So I noticed that watching this episode and I started wondering, is the show presenting us with a realistic portrayal of this kind of thing? And because that felt like it landed for me, I thought, well, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Um, and then I got Jen's email. I'm like, well, maybe they're not. I don't really know. But uh, um, yeah, in in, in a lo- all I'm trying to say is that in, in a lot of ways, what they showed here, at least early on in the episode, kind of worked for me. From there on, um, I don't know if it got better or worse, but I did find it a little bit more confusing, to be honest with you, because he, you know, as they get, when, once they get captured and taken to, uh, Stalker HQ there with the boats, Daniel really starts scheming to skit to kill all of the Stalkers, and he puts some plans in motion that, seem pretty smart he 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 you know he's involved in this this uh ruse to get the guard to come in to their cell at one point right where he pretends to be incapacitated on the floor and he's not um and again these sorts of things are are they doable by someone who has this kind of mental condition maybe probably but but i'm not really sure um and, and but but all overall i started to wonder like how much is the show trying to tell us that some of this some of the problem he's having is an act like he's clearly suffering from something but does he actually have a plan up his sleeve here that he's using his memory loss as a tool in that plan you know and and these are all questions that went through my mind while watching it and just kind of made it a little bit more confusing for me when it came to is this realistic I don't know if it's realistic.
1: I, with, I'm with you in that I've been lucky enough not to have uh, close family members uh, or, you know, friends suffer from this kind of thing. Uh, so I don't have a lot of direct experience. All my experience is, you know, anecdotal and from stuff I've seen on TV. Yeah. So I don't really have, uh, you know, I, I don't... I. Can't render an actual opinion on whether or not this is real.
0: Right. And I guess at the end of the day, whether it's realistic or not, and it's, if it's not, it's kind of too bad because, uh, again, like Jen said, we don't, it, it's not great if the show is portraying something that's really, really, you know, heinously awful or something like that. And you want them to sort of get it right in a way. But I did find it interesting, at least in the episode, because. You know, at one point, Daniel articulates that his memory problems are because he never was honest with Ophelia about what he did in the past. Remember, he was a torturer and all that stuff. Yep. And he never like really told her about it. He never apologizes for it. And he thinks that if he can find her and do all of these things, he'll be okay. And so I kind of saw an interesting dichotomy here where on one hand, I really did think that Daniel was delusional about Ophelia. Like, like I, I think he really thought she was alive and on that boat, on that yacht that was sitting there in the desert.
1: <laughs> well, I had very, very hard flashbacks of Lost, right? And uh, Rose's husband at the back of the plane, like, no, he's not dead. He's alive. Like right. you no, know, that's crazy. The plane plane broke into like three parts, and he's obviously dead. Yeah, I'm thinking this is not lost, right? Lost had a a, a mythos to it that uh, you know had uh, you know fate and some kind of supernatural element to it. This show, wow well, It's about zombies that, you know, the dead that have risen and start walking around. But (laughs) you know what I mean? It doesn't have that uh, same kind of thing. So I'm like, I'm just too reminiscent of Lost. She can't be alive. She can't do it.
0: Yeah. Well, see, I, I, but see what I'm trying to say is I, I believe that Daniel was in fact delusional in that way. Like he really believed she was there on that yacht. But on the other hand... He's extremely cunning and resourceful with his plan, right? He, he tricks all half the stalkers to going uh, 20 miles away or whatever it was by giving them the wrong coordinates for yeah. the weapons, which is something we haven't even mentioned yet. And then he does that thing where he fools the prison guard, you know, and again, I don't know if these things are related. Both of these things could be true. You know, he could believe that she's alive and he could be completely confused by that, but still be extremely cunning and resourceful in the plan he's trying to execute.
1: Absolutely, they're different yeah. things, right? Yeah, because he has he has a certain set of skills that uh, allows him to uh, to do things. And he, he he was right in saying that these people are really badly trained. Yeah, right? they're not trained interrogators. They're not trained uh, guards. They're not trained soldiers. Just a bunch of yahoos. He pushed me up against a wall, and I took his knife. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they asked me for coordinates. I gave them to them and half of them fucked off. Yeah. You know, these guys are horrible at their job. <laughs> uh, you know, they're just a bunch of yahoos in this, you know, Daniel's, uh, you know, a trained CIA operative and, uh, interrogator slash torturer. Uh, so he's got, uh, he, he knows what he's doing. I don't know, Was he, CIA? I don't think he was CIA, but he was, well, everything whatever. else he said was true. Yes. S- some kind of, some kind of agency he worked for he didn't yeah. do it for you know personal pleasure
0: yeah no that's right well, he might have but it was also his job after a while it wasn't <laughs> so pleasurable yeah so anyways i mean th- that is all to say i at the very least found it interesting and just to bring it all the way back to jen's email i do think it's a net negative if they've portrayed this really poor uh poorly on the show um, but I don't know if I necessarily agree that they've portrayed him as dangerous, gullible and easily manipulated. Dangerous, maybe, but I think he's always been dangerous. He's a dangerous guy. He's yeah. always been a dangerous guy. Gullible and easily manipulated. I'm just not sure about because he manipulated well, those people, right? But he's been
1: manipulated. Uh, he was manipulated by what's his eyebrows saying, uh, you know, give me the coordinates and I'll let her go kind of thing. Uh, so he was, uh, leaning into the, uh, into the delusion. And at the end, uh, what's her name said, uh, yeah, your daughter is alive and she's in the tower. Let's go. You know? So she manipulated him as well.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you know what? You're absolutely right in that. But I think for every example of that, there is example of Daniel doing exactly the same thing to other people. So he is the manipulated and the manipulator.
1: Yeah. You know, nobody, nobody's perfect. <laughs>
0: yeah you know some people torture people for a living yeah can't be perfect all the time no of course um but now speaking of that part at the end so uh, you know i maybe we'll get there in a second so they they go through all this stuff right uh there's some sort of greater plot here where morgan and sherry are apparently going out to meet up with Dwight to recover some weapons. And that is the coordinates of the weapons that the Stalkers are looking for as well, which Daniel gives them the wrong wrong ones. So they want these weapons because they want to go and use them to take on Strand at the tower. And so that's part of the plot line. The other thing that Arno and his is doing is that he's trying to get this information by sticking people in a cage and lowering it down into a bunch of zombies. And Uh the first guy in the cage is Wes. Wes doesn't get lowered down, uh, because Daniel shares the coordinates. Um, I mean, some of that was okay. I didn't find it super interesting, but at least it was kind of tying it all together in a way. Uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you know, and Daniel was right
1: in that that's not how you interrogate people, right? That's not going to get any information. That's just going to kill them. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, uh, if you don't tell me, uh, what I want to know, uh, I'm going to cut your head off. hmm like, Uh, okay, fine. I'm going to lower your you cage you know, down to zombies. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really work. You got to, you have to ramp up to it. You have to be, uh, you have to be good cop, bad cop kind of thing. You can't just, uh, go at it full, uh,
0: you know, full force. Right. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. So, and then the other thing we learned is that, you know, Arno and the Stalkers want to get these weapons because they also want to use them against Strand at the tower where he is, because he mentions that, you know, there's this giant crater full of zombies. They're all irradiated. They're so dangerous. He can't touch them or even go near them. And the tower is the only place we can be safe. Which... Not sure why, but you know, just have to accept that the tower is the only place that's safe.
1: The only way I can figure it is that they've entered into some kind of parallel universe where it's donut shaped. I forget what the name, uh, hyperbolic, parallel, 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 whatever it is. Uh, it is, it's donut shaped, right? So no matter where you go, it's like, um, imagine if you will, you're playing asteroids. okay? Okay. I you are at... playing Asteroids. You're looking at a screen where you're a little ship and there's a bunch of asteroids. You know how you can move in Asteroids? You don't just have to spin around, you can move. Mm-hmm. But when uh, when you go off the right side of the screen, you end up on the left side of the screen. Ooh. When you go off the top of the screen, you end up at the bottom of the screen. Okay? Right? The only way that make that universe makes sense is it's not even spherical, right? You can't even it, it's not even spherical. It's you have to it has to be donut shaped. The universe has to be donut shaped in order for that kind of geometry to work in that kind of space. It's the same as Pac-Man. Right. You know, it's just, it's a flattened out donut is what that is. Maybe this universe, they've they've flipped into a donut shaped universe and there's only one spot in this entire universe. No matter what direction you go, you end up right back where you were. And the only spot that doesn't have uh, super amounts of radiation is the tower. Because of the wind
0: patterns, remember.
1: Yeah, because of the wind patterns. The wind patterns have changed the universe into this donut shape. (laughs) Uh, So uh, it doesn't make any sense. No. Just fucking leave. Like, pick a direction and go. Yeah. Preferably, like, stop going towards the crater, first of all. Yeah. Like, okay, there's a crater. That's the direction you use. That's the thing you use for the center point to walk away from. Uh Uh-huh. And just fucking walk. Oh, is the tower this way? I don't give a shit. Let's find another goddamn building. There's probably another building in the universe. Probably, right? Yeah, probably. So So, I don't know why they're so focused on this tower. Uh, It doesn't make any sense.
0: Nope, I don't think so either. We've seen Arno and his guys like hat standing on the edge of the crater. You know, I'm I'm surprised they didn't take their masks off. Frankly, that's yeah. Like, let's go back to the crater. We have to check out the crater. The crater
1: is. It's imperative that we go and look at the crater to find out what's going on with the crater, because the crater is the crater, Yeah, and you have to go over and crater. Yes, you do. I'm turning it into a verb. I don't know what that verb means, but you have to crater.
0: The whole thing is ridiculous, uh, but my point is strictly that it is actually revealed to Daniel and Lucy that there is a crater full of dangerous zombies there. So they know now, which they did not yeah. know before, and this information theoretically can be communicated to morgan who needs to know everything morgan and uh alicia i guess
1: yeah and uh okay so sorry i'm gonna rewind back to the opening scene where they were playing memory on the uh on the submarine yep was it just me or did it look like the roof of the submarine was made out of like uh Uh, Glass, Like it was, uh, uh, what do you call that place where you have a bunch of plants and they can see the sun, but it's indoors? Greenhouse. Greenhouse. It was like a greenhouse because it was just, there was lighting and then there was like lighting on top of lighting and just, uh, it seemed very open and nice for a submarine i'm just i thought in the counter space the amount of counter space that they had was phenomenal like there was a coffee machine and then like a foot of counter space and then another machine it's just you would think that even the galley of a a submarine would have everything crammed in as fucking tightly packed as you could possibly imagine yeah and not have like more counter space in a submarine than i have in my own kitchen
0: Yeah, you're probably right. I didn't really notice it, but thinking back, it seemed like an awfully uh, spacious place for a sub.
1: It's a wonderful sub. I mean, uh, working on a nuclear submarine in the modern era must be a joy. Like it must be just, you know, you go down there and you don't even notice that you're in a submarine and everything is happy and and fun. And you've got the, you know, pretend sky on every deck Mm -hmm. and everything's nice and open and you don't feel claustrophobic
0: at all anymore. You must be right. I I assume I have to be. Yeah. So you could totally get a job on a sub now. Uh yeah, uh Mr. claustrophobic.
1: Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm a claustrophobic and I'm I'm worried about fitting down the hatches. <laughs> Come on. You're, <laughs> you're not that tubby.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh so yeah, Anyways, I think it's important that uh, they now have this information, uh, but we'll see. I don't know. Now, I want to get back to um, to the the thing you mentioned about Lucy ultimately lying to uh, Daniel about Ophelia. Yeah. And it, it comes, though, right after a scene that I really, really liked. And I think the two scenes back to back were one of the things that was done really well in this episode. So she ultimately, um, like I, I, for most of this, believed that she really cared deeply about him and really wanted to help him. You know what I mean? Like she had his best interests in mind. And we find out that Daniel's problems, at least according to him, are that, Like I said, he, he didn't get to tell Ophelia about his past and, and apologize for it and get her forgiveness kind of thing. And then in the end, Lucy kind of provides this for him, right? She forgives Daniel for his past as almost acting as an Ophelia stand-in, just kind of accepting the role for him, you know, to help him. And it gives him some closure. I thought it was a, a really touching scene. He then calls her his family, you know, and I'm like, this is so nice. This is great. It's working out for him and he has the kind of support he needs. And I thought that was a really, really beautiful scene. And then almost immediately after she turns around and lies to him saying Ophelia is at the tower and she does this. She's alive and at the tower. And Lucy does this because she has to convince him to join the fight against Strand and that's the only way she can do it. And so in, from one scene to the next, I go from feeling like, oh, my God, she's so great. She's doing what the right thing here. And then, oh, my God, I hate her. What's she doing?
1: <laughs> well, that's what family's for, right? What uh, is to, to fuck them over and to manipulate them into doing what you want them to do. So it's a realistic depiction well, of a family, at least. Yeah, at the very least. I mean, that, that's what you do It's like, oh, we're family now. All right, now I may manipulate you. Whereas right. before, it's just like I wouldn't do that to a friend. Yeah. I'd do that to family, but I wouldn't do it to a friend.
0: Well, you know, it it I I experienced both, you know, sides of this whole thing back to back here, and like it's one of those things where I kind of enjoyed the feeling uh, a little bit because it was so, uh, so shocking to me at the moment. And then the whole thing ends with Daniel agrees to do it, right? He agrees to be part of whatever's going to happen against Strand. And he says, we'll get in the tower and Ophelia, you and me will be together always. And you don't really know if he's talking to like the idea of Ophelia or if he's talking to Lucy in that moment. I I don't think. And I thought it was just really great stuff. So. Yeah, like even though. I couldn't believe what she was doing in that moment. Sort of as a whole, I really enjoyed that part. And I thought that was the best part of the episode and one of the best things we've seen on this show in a while. So I have to uh, give it credit for that.
1: Okay, I accept that. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with it because uh, agree with it because I've I've uh, I, in my mind in the last 5 years, 6 years, I've been thinking uh you know, I've been pondering the Uh, the existence of of, uh, me versus us versus them, right? It's, uh, you know, so there's there's three levels of, uh, you know, of that. There's me, you know, I know what me is. I know who me is. And then I had, there's other people. There's, you know, uh, there's, you know, friends and family and coworkers and all that kind of thing. And I consider all of those people an us, right? right? You know, uh, and then there's a them. Mm-hmm. Infamous them. There's always a them. Uh, and I've been thinking of that you know that that dividing line between us and them. Does there really need to be a dividing line in humanity between an us and an them? I think the, the goal of humanity, the goal of uh, you know our social structure should be to have everybody included in the us, right? Uh, it can't you can't necessarily include them in the me. No. But- we'll get there. I mean, once, you know, uh we reach the singularity and are able to upload our consciousness to a to a, a, an artificial construct of some kind, we'll be able to interface our minds to a point of uh, to a point where we become individual cells in a greater consciousness.
0: We are right? all and part then, of the me, the greater And we
1: all part of the me, you know, we have individual cells, right? They're me. they're they're a me. Uh, and there's also an us being the body, but that's also a me on a larger scale, right? Maybe humanity will get there, and we'll have uh, we'll have a, a larger consciousness of me in the human sphere of things, and then we'll meet other consciousnesses like that, and they'll c- congregate <laughs> and stuff like that, and then eventually the whole universe will be a me. All right? right, and that would that's a wonderful thing to think about. But right now we have a me and us and a them right and daniel uh was thinking of uh of lucy as a uh as a them and then she, he basically said now you're an us yeah right you're part of the us part of the, the you know the the infamous family now that you're family uh you know it's it's us against the world mm-hmm. so you know that uh, you know having that somebody consciously or having purposefully moving somebody from an us or from a them to an us uh <laughs> doesn't really hold sway with me right now just because of
0: my concept of
1: everybody should be already be in us. Why the fuck are you putting that dividing line in there? I can so, see what
0: you're saying. I mean, we, we live in a world right now where there's a lot more them than, than us, I think, or the, the, um, the dividing line between the two is much thicker than it should be. Right. It, it, yeah. And, and a little bit more empathy, uh, from everybody would be nice in this world right now, maybe a lot more. But that's what I liked about this. He, he accepted her across that line. and But it's
1: emphasizing that it's, 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 it's acknowledging the line, right? It's just like in order to move from uh, one side of the line to the other, that line, it's acknowledging and, and, and accepting that that line exists. And it's beautiful when you can have somebody cross it.
0: Yeah, but don't you have, to solve a problem? Don't you have to first admit that it exists, right? The exists. You have to admit that that some people I don't think of, I think of as as them as others, right? But but it's possible to bring them into to my us.
1: <laughs> there's a okay, so there's a subtle difference between moving somebody across the line, yeah, and just getting rid of the line. Right, Might not be that subtle. (laughs) Well, so he moved her across the line, meaning that line is still there. There's still a them. We're going to fuck them up because they are them and they are not us. And we hate them. We only like us. We hate them. And that line is there. Rather than saying there is no line, you know, I can't differentiate between us and them because there's no difference. Yeah. So that's... and. The That's what we been, should strive for, is what you're well, saying. Is, and so, my, in my mind, it's been rattling around in there for a while, that kind of concept. So, uh, you know, acknowledging that line and having uh, a beautiful moment centered on somebody crossing that line just subtly pisses me off. But that also is a state of my existing mood and mm-hmm. the fact that I really, uh, yeah, I'm kind of surly. I'm salty. I'm salty. That's the, <laughs> that's the thing is it's going on Lily. I'm just, I'm, I'm just salty.
0: That's fine. You're going through a salty phase of your life right now. Yeah. So even nice things piss me off. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the other thing that happens here is that Wes Recognizes the fact that she's done this to him, you know, she's lied to him, and he's a little more on your side, I think, without in saying it in so many words, because Wes decides to leave. He's like, I can't be a part of this. I don't want to have anything to do with you manipulating Daniel this way, and he takes off, and then we see him show up at the tower phone booth at the end, telling Strand that he wants to make a deal to save the tower. So, Wes. And we see him in the next episode, too, in the tower, interacting with Strand. But Wes has gone off, sort of defected to the other side. Yeah. So we have, uh, yeah.
1: Does it all really need to boil down to an us versus them? Everybody's changing the us, you know, which us they're associated with. I want to be part of us, but I will want him to be part of us. I want him to be them, but I want me to be the us. Yeah. And uh, I want you to be an us because you're always the us. Strand, you are the us. Everybody else is a them. I want to be part of the us. Mm. Sorry. Us, us and them. (laughs) Yeah. Can't we all just be a me? And I mean that as in me, not as in like, we're all a me. Like everybody, why don't they just be, you know, maybe everybody is just a figment of my imagination.
0: Maybe just a world full of Jason.
1: Maybe we're all figments of each other's imagination.
0: Let's not go too crazy here. (laughs) Uh, You know, the only other thing I think that is important to take away from this episode is that Arno is killed in the end. Uh, Daniel goes and puts him in his own cage and lowers him down into the zombies and he gets his legs eaten off. Speaking I'll of, teach him. Speaking of legs, yeah. Um, and then Lucy convinces all the rest of the people known as the stalkers to join them and come back to the sub. And uh, it really feels like they are gathering an army in a way for a fight against Strand. So all of this was to bolster their numbers a little bit and get rid of Arno, which is short for Arnold, in case you didn't know. Well, I would say Arnie, but Arnie, you know,
1: yeah. Arn, Arns? Arnster? Arnster. <laughs> Arn, Arst? Yeah. Okay. So let me get this straight. These people have been, like we have a group of people that are following... Arno. Arno is the leader of this, us, this group.
0: Yes. Uh, Formerly, formerly with Alicia, right? Formerly they were following her and she couldn't deliver. So he broke off with these people. Are these people a bunch of shithead sheep because
1: they go with Alicia and then Arno shows up and they follow him, but then Daniel kills Arno and they all just go like, yeah, what do you want us to do? Let's go do that. That's a great idea. We were doing that anyway. Yeah. It's pretty much what happened. Like what? Like, Really? You just killed the leader
0: and they don't give a shit at all. And they're like, yeah, we're following you now. We're right on board. Let's go do that. Some people just need to be told what to do, Jason. Maybe they were never really on board with Arno to begin with. They just needed somewhere to live. Are they NPCs? Like, like they
1: can't be real people, right? With like thoughts and feelings in their own internal lives and stuff. They're definitely NPCs.
0: (laughs) uh, You know, if you're going to have a big fight with someone, Jason, you need people to die in that battle. And so we just got them all.
1: Uh, Okay. Well, I just, I question whether, why, why would they just follow whoever, uh, whoever, whoever is leading? Like, okay, you killed the leader. Now you're the leader. Let's go
0: leader. Where are we going leader? You're going to go get us killed leader. That's a great idea leader. You're the leader. I mean, it's hard times. You know, some people are just sort of like leader. Uh, Well, that's what you do. You follow leaders. They don't know what to do if they don't have a leader, you know?
1: And did I, did I? Understand this correctly. So they were all in a room after Arno was killed. Daniel was talking to them and bolstering them, up, uh, saying, "You know, we got to go take this tower because it's the only place in the donut universe that is safe from the uh, uh, from the, the irradiated zombies." Yeah. So we, uh, so he was in a room with all these people and he was giving them a speech. And then he said, "Okay, let's go." And then we're all milling around and doing stuff. And in the next breath, he's saying these people are all fucking idiots. Yeah, I think so. In the same room where, you know, he didn't have a microphone that he switched off or anything. Maybe a few of them had left, so they didn't all hear. Uh,
0: but, <laughs> so I, I didn't like misunderstand that. No, right? I'm not sure. He, I just don't think he has all that much faith in what was going on. I mean, that was before he agreed to be part of this, right? That was before Lucy did her thing where she said, uh, you know, Ophelia's there and you have to rescue her. So I don't yeah. think he had faith that this was all going to work and that they'd be able to take on Strand in any meaningful way. Uh, Okay, yeah, I just, you know, but it is weird. It's confusing, for sure. Say
1: that that in private. Don't, like, say that in the rooms. Like, let's go. You guys are great. You're the fantastic people that I think that are uh, really can make this plan work. Uh, We couldn't do it without you. You're a great group of people. I have every faith in you. These guys are idiots. They're going (laughs) to do anything I say. (laughs) Uh, You know, (laughs) people can hear stage whispers.
0: Yes, they In can. real life. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know, man. Uh, they have all these people and they're all probably going to get killed off soon. Yeah. Well, that's where okay. we're at. Fine. <laughs> all right. There. Well, that is Ophelia. I thought this one was better than your average Fear the Walking Dead episode lately. And that's it. It's all I got. We move on to the next episode, which is called Sunny Boy. And I just have a feeling that this episode isn't going to generate as much conversation as Because nothing interesting happened in this episode.
1: Everything interesting happened in this episode. I don't think so at
0: all. There was political
1: intrigue. There was hidden babies. There was floods. There was walking around in the
0: zombie apocalypse with armor on instead of putting on gore. Even though it was brought up as an idea, there was like, no, we don't have time. But you had time to put on all this ridiculous armor and push through a crowd. Yeah, put on a large
1: suit of armor and then walk through a crowd. Okay, I have, like, several problems. Sorry, we're jumping right to the end here.
0: Well, do you want to
1: get to the end in a bit, or do you want to just start at the end? I just want to rant about this one thing. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so there's, you know, tank warfare, right? He basically dressed himself up as a tank in order to go and do this this thing, right? Like, it's not like an actual tank, but he put on a bunch of armor and expected, uh, you know, to be able to walk through these zombies. Sure. You cannot put tanks in urban warfare without, uh, military or, you know, the troops on the ground to support them because they will just get the shit blown out of them. Right. Because they cannot, in a large group of individuals, tanks cannot survive. Uh, they need, uh, they need infantry in order to support them. Yes. This guy's walking out into, uh, you know, and I love John Dory and I, uh, you know, Keith Carradine, you know. I love him. I think he's great in everything he does. Uh, The writing on this show, just having him walk out in the suit of armor and not expecting to get pulled to the ground. He weighs a lot. He might as well have gone swimming in this stuff. Like if you go swimming in a full full plate, you sink to the bottom. Yes, you do. Right? You walk out into a zombie horde in full plate. They pull you to the ground and chew on your face. Yeah. That didn't happen. Did not happen. No, uh, it didn't. It didn't make any sense. Uh, no, he would have to have the strength of uh, fifteen men, and I say that number specifically. Uh, it's not ten men. It's not a hundred men. It's fifteen. He would have to and a baby. He would have to have the strength of fifteen men and a baby in order to uh, uh, to get through this crowd. I mean, he had the baby, but he didn't have the other fourteen men. But he was a radiator. so maybe that gives him Hulk powers.
0: If it was gamma <laughs> radiation. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that happens at the end, uh, right before John Dory Sr. uh, dies. So this episode, we had a big character death, uh, two, in fact, one bigger than the other, I would say, although maybe that's giving John Dory Sr. too much credit here because, I mean, he hasn't been on the show that long, about the same amount of time as, no, less time than, uh, what's his face? Harold? It's Harold, right? See, I don't even remember because I don't care, um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, uh, he he gets bit during all of this. We don't find out until he gets through it all, hands the baby off to Morgan and then says, oh, I'm bit. So I'll just walk back into the crowd of zombies to buy you some time, which he does and just allows himself to be eaten. So we've now lost John Dory Jr. and John Dory Sr. Yeah. And Morgan does shit all to help him. Until he's uh, absolutely free of the uh, of the zombies, Morgan's standing there watching him push through. Right, he could have been yeah. that infantry support a little bit of it, anyways. Yeah, but he's go not. And,
1: you know, reach your hand out.
0: You kill kill two zombies in front of him. Help the guy out a little bit here. Yeah, uh, anything really. He's just standing there. So, uh, but if we if we rewind a little bit here, the whole plot of this episode is it all takes place in the tower. And there is an idea to smuggle baby Mo out of the tower because apparently the baby provides some protection, some psychological protection for Strand in this tower because Morgan and the crew won't attack the tower with the baby in there because it's too dangerous for the baby. Uh, okay. No,
1: it makes sense. It's the same thing they did in Game of Thrones with the, uh, you know, the Starks and the, uh, what's his name, the guy that got his pecker cut off. Oh yeah, I don't remember his name. So they, they, you know, uh, he went to stay with the, with the Starks in order to, uh, at Winterfell, uh, in order to solidify their. Uh, Their agreement because he can't attack if I have your son here visiting with us for the next fifteen years. If you attack me, that visit turns into a knife to the throat. Mm -hmm. Right, so that's you know that's a pretty standard strategy in
0: medieval times, I would think. Okay, so so the problem is if they attack, Strand is going to kill the baby. Like use the baby as leverage. Like I'll kill this baby, or I'll kill your friends. If I don't you know if it's me. it's necessarily that explicit, but the baby would be in danger if you attacked the tower. Yeah yeah, but I mean there's a whole moat of zombies surrounding this thing. There are guys with assault rifles. Like the East strand has apparently a lot of people because he's just throwing them off the roof willy-nilly he can sacrifice a bunch of them for having walkie-talkies he's well, got what a choice no- does he have right yeah hey, of course what choice hey, he, but you he's, know and- he's got a lot of people is what I, I think i'm trying to say even though we never see more than like three at a time but you know the the baby being in danger feels like the least of their problems for attacking this tower considering what they have to get through right (laughs) you know maybe maybe they perceive it as a big problem because nobody wants to hurt a baby to get hurt or worse and and so maybe it it sort of overshadows all these other other issues but I don't know I'm just thinking like really a whole episode about smuggling a baby out of a tower because this is what's preventing us from attacking like who came up with this idea I don't know maybe they have missiles and they don't want to hurt the baby because of the
1: because of the missiles why not
0: yeah, of you course. Know,
1: Why they, not? They've got a they got a uh, fucking nuclear submarine. Yeah, a submarine uh, probably has
0: torpedoes. It's already right? fired off all its nukes, though, so sure. too late for that.
1: Well, we don't have to go to the nuclear option, but we have you know conventional warheads of some kind, or uh, you know maybe I don't know if there's a submarine versus tanks. For having this many boats, there's very little water.
2: Right? right, very little. <laughs> yeah, so
1: maybe they have uh, maybe they have missiles
0: or rockets or uh, torpedoes that fly through the air. You know, I have no idea. That's 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 funny to think of, right? There, here's a show where all they have are boats, like and submarines, <laughs> and they got yeah. no water. They got no water, they got a tower that's right. only like three stories tall. I think it's seven or eight, but yeah, they got a tower. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if Strand was like, you know what, you know what'll really keep protect this tower, surround it with boats. Yeah, and I need to talk to somebody uh, fifty or sixty feet away. Go get the go get the large antenna that's in storage. Yeah, that's right. Well, that <laughs> happened at the end too. Put up this giant antenna, which seemed like it took ten minutes. Yeah, and- go get go. Get the, it's in storage. Go get the antenna. I'm expecting this like large whip antenna. Yeah, it's like, what are you
1: going to do with that thing? You're going to beat somebody with it like are you gonna wave it around and point at things like what are you gonna do with that oh no it's a big fucking antenna that they have to set up with three
0: guys they erected it on the roof and and it's so he could talk to morgan who was like right outside i mean maybe it did take him a day to set it up so morgan by that time was 20 miles away i don't know uh (laughs) yeah that's it was uh, that makes sense it's like okay
1: if I, i can talk to him right now but I don't want to talk to him right now. I want to talk to him tomorrow. Yeah, that's if right. If I want to talk to him tomorrow, he's going to be pretty far away. So we better start the work now
0: to set up the antenna so I can talk to him tomorrow because I'm not feeling it at the moment. No, I haven't really planned out what I'm going to say. So let's get the antenna, you know, and then when we're done, we'll take it down. So like next time I won't we, be able to talk We don't need to the anyone. antenna. It's, no. It, it, it lives in storage. Yes. It needs
1: to be in storage when we're not actually using it because that...
0: aluminum is precious oh absolutely but this all reminds me of the fact that i think strand has gone mustache twirling villain levels like he's become ridiculous and let's be honest strand was always a a little bit ridiculous but when he was grounded he was at least kind of just charismatic but the line between that and mustache twirling ridiculousness apparently isn't that big Mm -hmm. Because he has now crossed that line, and I just think he's every line and every scene within him, him in this episode was like James Bond villain level tomfoolery, <laughs> without the intelligence. I guess, yeah, maybe. Well,
1: you know, he has his uh, his best friend, uh, you know, right hand man guy that is there, and uh, you know, at the first sign of trouble, he wants to throw him off the roof, uh, but then you know relents a little bit. It's like, you know what? I still can't trust you. I, you know, maybe I can't throw you off the roof, but I still can't trust you. We got to figure this out. Uh, and so he sends John Dory, a police officer, which makes sense for John Dory to figure out where the baby is. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, and as soon as that happens, uh, you know, John Dory and this guy that he's trusted since the beginning, like this, you know, he's guy number one because Strand showed up at his tower. Yeah. Right. So he's guy number one. Strand, you're guy number two. John Dory is guy number three hundred and eighty-seven. <laughs> That's right. right. So guy number three hundred and eighty-seven shows up and uh proves that guy number one is okey Doke, but I like your moxie, so throw guy number one off the roof. Howard. His name is Howard. Just whatever. In case everyone's confused. <laughs> and so uh, you know, John Dory's like, yeah, no problem. Throws him off the roof. I'm sure he's upset about it and ends up going back to drinking and stuff. But Strand, exactly what are you thinking here? You're you're thinking the guy you trusted all along. Yeah, you you know, for he got you got framed and I didn't trust you, but now I trust you. But the guy that framed you, I don't know if Strand knows this, but, you know, I enjoy his moxie. I think he's really got uh, hes really got some things going on here. I think uh, he's going to be a great partner. Uh, throw that guy off the roof. Yeah. You know, that very trustworthy guy. Yep. Showing the rest of all the 400 and some odd people that no matter how loyal you are, you're going to get thrown off a roof by mm-hmm. this crazy fucker.
0: And but- that does not have, have any bearing on the loyalty of the other people at all. No, but see everything strand does is contradictory in some way. Like he, he, he throws Howard off the roof or he has John Dory do it. But this is because just moments before John has admitted to framing Howard in order to sort of get in good with strand and strand loves this idea. He's like, that's the kind of guy I want working with me. You know, you clearly want to be by my side so bad. You were willing to frame him. I mean, you got to throw him off the roof now, but like, this is a great quality to have in a person. And, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> I hated that part too. Not just because Strand was just so ridiculously maniacal about it. it I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. It absolutely makes zero sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to get rid of a loyal guy.
1: It doesn't make any sense to, uh, you know, in the perception of what, how you reward absolute loyalty. Uh, you know, nope. like, w- what reason would anybody in the tower now have to not stab Strand in the throat while he's sleeping? Like, oh. every single one of them would
0: just go, "Dunk, dunk, 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 dunk." Yeah. You die now, fucker, because you're <laughs> not trustworthy at all. Or Jason shoot Strand in the back of the head when he has a gun pointed right at him and no reason not to pull the trigger because that happened too.
1: Yeah, and John Dory, uh, being a police officer who's willing to do the bad thing in order to achieve the good result, uh, is also, uh, wants to, even though there's a fucking zombie apocalypse, still hunt down a serial killer because that's the right thing to do. Has a serial killer standing in front of him that is absolutely proven to be crazy, murderous, Mm uh, And what do you do? You're like, yeah, you you can stay. You're fine. You're fine. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to put on some armor and (laughs) take the baby out into the zombie apocalypse. He knocks him out
0: with the pistol instead of, instead of killing him. In that moment, I'm like, oh my God, I, I had two thoughts. I'm like, oh my God, they're about to kill Strand. No, that was my only thought. They're about to kill Strand. And then when they didn't do it, I'm like, oh my God, you guys, this is just another example of your. I mean Strand has massive plot armor, obviously. Yeah. But he I'm also like who didn't look at this and go fans or or viewers are going to hate this. You know, there's this there's this thing we're doing and it makes no sense. It would be better to not do it at all than do it wrong like this. And I'm sorry they did it wrong.
1: <laughs> I think that maybe uh maybe Strand and the Tower is an allegory for uh, the production of uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. It's just, uh, you know, everybody's milling around going, man, this is a really this bad idea. This is fucking horrible. Like, nobody's going to like this. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's out of character. It doesn't, it just, it, it is not the good idea. Shut up, man. What are you doing? You want to get fired? Yeah, Shut right. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Just go along with it. Gimple knows what he's doing. <laughs> are you going to, you know, are you going to go home today with a paycheck? Yeah. Shut up up. Do your job. Do you want the show to get canceled? Don't say anything.
0: Oh God. Well, that was something else I hated. Um, thematically Jason, this episode was all about building a legacy for oneself. Uh, you know, Howard understood that. Huh?
1: I never understood legacies
0: Well, in general. Howard wants you know, he lost his family. He thinks they're still out there. We learned all that in this episode in some long, boring conversations between him and Strand and him and John Dory Sr. Uh, but he he is hes trying to build something at this tower, something good, at least from what he thinks are good. So when his family shows up again, he will have created this for them. Uh, but ultimately he's dead now, so it doesn't matter. And I didn't care because like, what do we know about Howard nothing and all of a sudden we're supposed to like feel for him in this situation. I didn't. Yeah. Well, cause we had a picture. There was a picture of him and his family and he seemed mm. happy. Isn't that right? nice? Yeah. Uh, we should care now. We should, but I didn't. Uh, and then John Dory senior, he wants to cement his own legacy too, uh, by saving baby Mo because he couldn't save his own son, John Dory junior. And I also thought that was just kind of, ridiculous. Have we ever seen John interact with this baby before? I don't think so. Have we seen him, you know, care about her in any way? Not really. And here we are being asked by the show to believe that this baby is what, is what makes him want to... uh, right all the wrongs in his life. You know, we know he abandoned John Dory Jr. at some point and he feels bad about that. That's fine. And, and all of a sudden there's a baby in his life and he wants to make up for all of his, his wrongdoings in the past. I just think the show needs to give us something more, work up to this kind of thing, not just all of a sudden it's there.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. The show's got problems. (laughs) It's got one or two. (laughs) It's got some, got some problems and the idea of legacy. I mean, I, you know, to be fair, I I kind of understand the idea of legacy because uh, it's that second death that really is a is a pisser, right? Everybody suffers two deaths. Okay, uh, you, the death that you where your body actually dies, and the second death is the last time somebody ever thinks about you. Oh, that's so depressing. It's it's a hard it's a hard thing to to do, right? So it's that legacy trying to prolong that second death for as long as possible, because uh, that second death is fucking horrifying it's you know you, you're contemplating death of uh you know the end of your life but you're also contemplating the uh the end of your memory of people
0: remembering you right and that's a that's a hard thing sort of like the m the end of the impact you had on the world however large or small eventually it will be gone
1: yeah well you know on a grander scheme the entire species is going to go away at some place sometime yeah. the Just so you know, like even if we spread out throughout the entire galaxy, at some point, it's it's all going to be over. I hear you. Yeah, I know. So you know, trying to stave off that second death, trying to stave off that first death is uh, is a whole thing uh, unto itself. Like, but you can only prolong that so so long, right? I mean, eventually we get to the singularity, upload our consciousness to uh, some kind of constructed consciousness, Uh uh, and be able to live forever and you know merge and stuff. We talked about (laughs) that. I feel like you're betting on that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm really rooting for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got a good 15 years, uh, and then uh, after that, the consciousness probably won't be as good as it could have been, you know, being uploaded. So right. let's all work towards that goal. But it's that second death. You actually have a little bit of control over that second death, right, for your legacy. If you can cement a legacy uh, where, the you know, at least your name and a description of what you were like... Uh, will last for uh, a thousand years. You know, that's staving off that second death. There's something you can do about that. So maybe the legacy thing isn't uh, uh, such a shit show as I originally thought. My personal legacy, you know, I don't do anything in order to prolong that second death, but,
0: uh, you know, maybe I should. You know, Jason, audio is forever. Or, or, Or at least a long time anyways.
1: Yeah, but you also have zip drives that are sitting in your house probably still that uh, you don't have a, a zip drive player that uh, can find out what the hell's on them. So I might, I don't they might be gone, but every yeah. piece of media is going to get lost eventually, right? There's going to be it's going to get archived, it's going to get forgotten, it's going to get wiped out. Uh even your Facebook account eventually will get
0: purged. Yeah, I know no I I understand. I'm I'm in the slow process of of removing Facebook from my life already, but uh you're right, but I'm just saying, you've got 585 hours, well, probably a lot more than that, of of you talking on the internet, and that's something. It's not nothing, at least.
1: It's not nothing. It's it's absolutely not nothing. It's just a matter of getting that onto a storage medium media that uh, will last for a little bit longer than 10 fucking years.
0: <laughs> I say it's not nothing, but we chose to talk about this show, not something else, so... You know, you know, to be fair, I keep
1: bringing in other stuff. <laughs>
0: no, you do. That is, that is true. That is very true. Um, anyhow, I think that the idea of creating a legacy for oneself or for a character on a TV show could make for some really great TV, but to be honest, it is a thing that should be the premise of of an entire show, in a way. It doesn't matter what the legacy is. It doesn't matter the details. But, like, the whole show, the entire run of the show should be about that. And at the end, you know, has the main character left something behind in the world, good or bad? A legacy. You can't do it in one episode where uh, characters are dying out of nowhere um, and expect us to connect with it and feel for it you just can't i don't think you can do it over a shorter period of time you know if this was john dory jr still alive on this show and his dad had never showed up and he was trying to leave something behind and it involved june or whatever we have the history there and it would have worked we just don't have that with howard and we don't have that with john dory senior and so none of this worked well for me at all
1: that, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm thinking about the the names of shows. Like, shows that have done this well have put the premise in the goddamn name. Game of Thrones. You know, you either win or you die. The entire show was about the, the throne. Like, getting the, everybody trying yeah. to get that fucking throne. Uh, uh, and then I'm thinking about Lost. Everybody's Lost because I bring back everything to <laughs> everything to Lost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Three's Company. Of course yeah, you are. The entire show was about three people living together. Uh, trying not to have sex. <laughs> no, they were all platonic. Every, like, they were always platonic. I yep. mean, Mr. Roper, Mr. Furley, uh, you know, whomever, always thought that they were having uh, all kinds of sex, but they weren't. They were just three people trying to uh, break social norms, uh, social stereotypes. And just say, you know, we need to band together in this apartment in uh, California because uh, rent's expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's it. Right, None, They weren't. I don't know. The the two uh, the two women were sleeping in the same room, so who knows what was going on there, but Jack had his own
0: room, stayed to himself. Yep, he's yeah kept to himself. Uh, Breaking Bad. I mean, look at Breaking Bad. Bad. The title not as much, but I mean, the Breaking Bad is a a description of what was required for one man to do what he needed to do to leave the world you know leave behind something for his family a legacy of himself for his family it's the, probably the best example of all of these
1: yeah well that, that, that's that's good
0: you know different strokes sure <laughs> <laughs> that's, you were gonna go uh uh there i went to breaking bad <laughs>
1: I was just thinking of different strokes for different folks, right? It was uh-huh. just, again, breaking social norms. Yeah. Right? Having, uh, you know, uh, a blended family uh, that is uh, unconventional for the time period. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things where this show was not called Let's Build a Legacy in the Zombie Apocalypse, because that's a bad title. Bad title, first of all. Uh, so, you know, just throwing that into an episode where everybody's goal is to do that is, uh doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Didn't
0: like it at all. Uh, I also didn't like all the stuff between John Dory Sr. and June in this episode. They had a number of conversations and that whole set piece in the flooded tunnel in the in the basement. I thought all of that was not good, <laughs> you know, to put it mildly. Well, John Dory did use his
1: detective skills to find muddy, muddy boots and uh, find out where she was uh, based on her muddy boot. Print.
0: That's true. He saw her walking away with the boots. I'm surprised he didn't pull out his magnifying glass and follow the footprints like hey. they would a la Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of surprised myself. Uh, you're right, he does that, but I, I thought all of their interactions were weird. I thought they, it wasn't clear if they were working together or they weren't. You know, it didn't seem like they were working together. Even though they had the same goal, they were doing going about it in very different ways. And you, I always kind of thought these two characters would be on the same page, but they weren't in this episode. Um, at one point he even questions her about the walkie-talkie that they found in Howard's uh, room, which was what prompted him to be ultimately thrown off the roof. You know, we find out later that John Dory planted that walkie in there yet in the scene with June, He's accusing her of, of not really doing it, but like, you know, he asked her, do you know anything about that? And knowing full well, at least he would have known that he did it. I mean, it just all felt very, very strange to me and purposefully trying to deceive the audience in, in ham-fisted ways. And I thought it was all handled just so poorly. Um, yeah, the whole tunnel flood scene, I thought was kind of dumb. They're hiding behind this gate that just happens to fit perfectly in this weird little alcove with zombies literally like 12 inches away from them. And they're just standing there having this deep, important conversation. (laughs) Like you guys are in trouble. You better do something about that. Well,
1: eventually uh,
0: June did call somebody saying, yeah, we're going to need a little bit of help down here. Oh yeah. And of course there's this only less nasally super, (laughs) not much though. There's this super convenient phone. On the wall right there. It's like, what are we going to do? Well, let's try knocking them over with the gate. That didn't go so well. End up stuck back in the same place. Oh, why don't we just call? There's a phone. Come on. We got
1: the, we got the hotline. Why the fuck are we using the hotline? Oh, it's so lazy and
0: stupid. I I can't even understand
1: it. <laughs> so in the previous episode, the cage that was going to be lowered into the, uh, the crowd of zombies, uh, if you just had two people in there, they would have been fine. Because, you know, they could lower them down and then they could have a conversation and then use the hotline to get out of there.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. You put two people in there and it would have been totally okay. That's what we had in this one.
1: Oh, maybe the zombies are respectful (sighs) of conversation. Are they? Oh, they're having a conversation. We should disattend that
0: conversation until they're done. And then we eat them. We'll just wait over here when you guys are finished we could use a snack. So just finish up and then we'll eat you. Yeah. It's
1: like a cab driver, right? Mm-hmm. So a cab driver's in the front, uh, and you know, have a bunch of people in the back of the cab, uh, that are having a conversation. Everybody pretends that the cab driver can't hear your conversation. He's right, right. fucking there. He's yeah. just, he's pretending he can't hear you. You know, he can hear you. He can hear you. He knows that he's, he's doing that, but you pretend that he's not there. He pretends that he can't hear it. He's disattending the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Maybe right. that's what the zombies are doing. It's just like, okay, our responsibility here as professional people leaders is to <laughs>
0: wait respectfully for their
1: conversation to be concluded
0: yeah. before we gnaw on their flesh. Right. There are certain social situations, Jason, that are unique and special. And the cab driver... Uh, or Uber driver relationship to their passenger is one of those situations where you're right. Everyone can hear what you're talking about, but they choose to not participate and not judge, right? Yeah. It's, there, are, there are, like, it's similar to being in an elevator, right? With two people who know each other and one person who doesn't. The two yeah. people who know each other can talk and have a conversation and not acknowledge that other person at all. And it's fine. That's just the way it goes. And everybody faces the same way. Because if somebody's facing the wrong way, right. it fucks everything up. Yes, it does. But everyone <laughs> knows these rules and you just abide by them. So clearly the zombies know these rules too. They're just going to wait. They're going to finish talking. And then maybe we'll reach over the fence, which we've done thousands of times before. It's like getting into an elevator when you really, really, really have to fart. You hold it
1: <laughs> until either you're alone in the elevator or you get off the elevator. And then you, you pr- don't... F- Pray to God then no one gets on at the next stop. If you're well, not you don't on. care at that point. You're out of there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just you you politely wait <laughs> until it's appropriate for uh, for you to rip one. There you go.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's just the way it we is. all know these rules. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oddly enough, I've uh, I've taught my son the word disattend. Uh, sometimes he wants to have a conversation with his mom and he wants to have a private conversation with his mom and I'm there or I'm in the car or something like that. I'm driving the car. Uh, I will, I've told him I will disattend the conversation. What does that mean? That means that I'll be here, but I'll pretend not to hear you. Right. Right. It's good enough for him. So now (laughs) he's five years old and he turns to me every once in a while and goes, dad, can you disattend this conversation? Well, that's okay. That's part of his lexicon now. It's good. It's good. Pisses my wife off that I taught him that word because there's nobody else in the universe that uses that word except for me, a few academics, and now my five-year-old.
0: Well, you know, that's good. I think that's good. He'll grow up and that's one thing he'll be like, you know what? The greatest thing dad ever taught me was how to disattend a conversation. No, he's going to go through life using that word and confusing people. It's like, what? Oh. What? (laughs) Yeah. And then behind his back, they'll be like, that Jasper guy's weird, eh? He says some weird stuff. (laughs) Well, yeah, I remember getting shit on by my friends for using big words when I was young too.
1: Like they lifted a house up at one point and they were going to put a basement underneath it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they were doing that. And I was walking with my friend and I said that, the, you know, they're rebuilding the foundation and he started giving me shit for using the word foundation. I mean, we're sure we were in grade five. Right. But yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, so I've gotten in shit for using big words uh, at a, at a younger age. So I'm... Blessing him with the same experience, I'm not sure how to something that. like that,
0: right all right,, uh, I think that's all I mean, I guess the, what you mean to say is Jason, that's enough. That is enough. let <laughs> us let us move on into something else. Um look, they killed off John Dory, senior. They killed off Howard. They killed off Arno. And a few random people that they've thrown off the roof. I feel like they are thinning the cast a little bit here, Jason. Uh, We haven't had this much death in a while. And I wonder if... To me, it sort of feels like the show is leading to a reset in a way. We know Madison's coming back. We know she's coming back in this season. And then season eight is going to be all about her. I wonder if they're just killing off everybody except Alicia and Morgan, and it's going to be Alicia, Morgan, and Madison. Reset. Start over. We know this is bullshit. Maybe if we bring her back, we can we can do something fun with these characters. I don't know.
1: Well, we used to praise The Walking Dead for killing off main characters. Yeah, we did. How, how have we gotten to the part point where we criticized the show for killing off the main characters because, you know... Uh, we're saying it feels like they're doing a reset and they're killing off main characters.
0: Is it their fault or is it our fault? That is a question that I cannot answer right now, I don't think. But you're right. It's a it's a change. Something has changed. Uh, just, it reminds me of Skinner. It's like, no, am I am I out of it or is it the kids? <laughs>
1: well,
0: it's the kids that are yeah. wrong. Am I wrong or are the kids wrong? <laughs> the children. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I think... I think we're going to see some more character, like main character death on this show as we get through the next four. There's only four more episodes for season seven. Well, Strand's going to die, right? Strand?
1: Strand. He's going to die.
0: I think so. I don't think there's any way Strand can like come back, you know? So he's going to die because they're killing off all his uh, allies, Mm -hmm.
1: right? Well, they're killing off everybody's allies, really. Uh, So yeah, he dies. Uh, They can't stay at the tower right? Everybody wants to go to the tower, but, uh, maybe it's the dark tower. And that, uh, once they take out the dark tower, the, uh, the donut universe will shatter into a million tiny shards and they'll go off into a shard universe of some kind.
0: Right. Without uh, Strand. Well, I, anything's possible at this point, man. I think that Strand has to die. I think Wes is going to die pretty, pretty soon. You know, I think over on Morgan's side, probably going to lose a few people, you know, like, uh, Sarah, uh, I know Grace is in the tower and June are in the tower. I don't know what's going to happen with them.
1: No, June will be still in the show.
0: Yeah, probably, probably. Um, but I think they're going to trim it way down. Madison's going to show up. And I have a feeling season eight's just going to be completely different. Like maybe they'll finally get up and walk away and be like, let's not keep hanging around this crater. Let's walk away from the crater. And the tower will leave that behind as well.
1: Yeah. It's called the walking dead, not, uh,
0: standing around this irradiated crater. Right. Dead. All right. Well, I didn't like this episode at all. And we're going to finish off here with a call from Randy. What do you think? I love Randy.
1: Chris and Jason, this is Randy from Colorado. Um, long time listener probably since season three of the walking dead. <clears throat> Listen to every show since then I just called in to share my grievances on Fear the Walking Dead. It is so bad. Like, unbelievably bad. It's so bad that it's comical. And I actually enjoy watching it because of how bad it is, because you never know what's going to happen next. I mean, it's just great. So anyways, keep up the good work. Please keep podcasting. Don't ever stop. I would listen to a podcast about toasters if you guys were the hosts. Um, anyways, you've gotten me through a lot of work shifts and long car rides so thank you and have a great night
0: i would like to take this opportunity jason to formally announce our new podcast toaster cast the talking toasters talking toaster cast or something (laughs) yeah and uh we are going to use and review toasters and the toast that they produce
1: (sighs) i don't know anything about toasters
0: well you better start learning
1: Uh, Well, there's upright and then there's toaster ovens. Yeah. each have their own strengths and weaknesses. Uh Like if you, uh, you say in a toaster oven, you have a piece of bread and some cheese and sauce and a couple of pieces of pepperoni and stuff. Yeah. But uh, you really can't do that in a regular upright toaster. No, you can't. No. So that's bad.
0: Yeah, it, that's a good thing about toaster ovens, but you're right, there're pros and cons to each. There's different quality of toasters. Like there's a 2-slot toaster, and then yeah. there's a 4, there's even an 8-slot toaster, I think. Oh, that's too industrial. You, I mean, you,
1: you, you can't do anything with that.
0: That's too much toast to make all at once, right? You, who needs 8 slices of toast at one time in a normal, I mean, I shouldn't say normal, in a sort of average-sized family. So here's my problem with toasters. Yeah. You know the little dial that gives you, you know, tells you how dark the toast should get? Yeah.
1: Uh, when you, when you hit the plunger and stuff, but, uh, that dial, basically it takes the lifetime of a toaster to understand how that dial works on a fine scale. Right. Right. It's like, I want the toast exactly like this. It's like, oh, I need to set the dial exactly like this. But then by the time you figure out that fucking dial, the toaster breaks. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I I feel like you know more about toasters than you might think, because not only do you know that already, I mean, you called it a plunger. And like, nobody would call it a plunger. They'd call it the knob, the handle, the, you know, well, the whatever.
1: The, 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 the,
0: what, what else are you going to call it? It plunges. It plunges the bread into the toaster. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got,
1: uh, there's, um, there's a, a, a YouTube channel called Technology connections, uh-huh. which I highly recommend. There's this gentleman in uh, around Chicago, I assume, but uh, he'll go into uh, detail about something like he'll talk about VCRs and go into detail on how they work or what a, what the you know, 90, no, the 39.37 or 29.37 frames per second is on video, uh, What where they got that from. Mm -hmm. Uh, and stuff. And he, he did talk about, uh, you know, how toasters work, how you can actually plunge down a toaster and have it toast in a consistent way with that little knob, uh, and not use any electronics whatsoever. Oh, really? Right. Or a rice cooker. A rice cooker is the same kind of thing. You put water in, you put rice in, you hit the plunger down, the fucking little knob thing, and it cooks the rice and it stops cooking the rice when the rice is cooked, it does not use electronics. It's all mechanical and electromechanical. And it's, uh, it's really quite fascinating. So check this out on YouTube. It's called technology connections. He'll also go on a rant about, um, uh, I forget what he calls it, but it's basically, uh, you know, why are we using furnaces that burn, uh, uh, natural gas uh, when we could use the, the same kind of technology that we use in our refrigerator to uh, heat pumps, to move heat from one place to another. We could do the same thing outside, right? There's no reason why we can't use that and, you know, uh, use Freon or not Freon, but a better gas than that to, uh, to move heat around, you know, mm-hmm. it cools in the winter, in the summer and heats in the winter, and all that kind of stuff. So technology connections, check it out.
0: There's a toaster episode. I swear to God. Well, that's Jason's recommendation for the week, everybody. And I guess we don't need to do a toaster podcast because it's already He's out there. He's doing just fine. Yeah, I'm sure he is. All right. Well, anyways, thanks, Randy, for that. He also mentioned that wa- Fear the Walking Dead is so bad, it's good. I don't I know disagree. If <laughs> I don't know if I'm there yet. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm not quite there. All Sorry, right,
0: buddy. Well, uh, listen, there's four more episodes, right? I think there's four more for uh, season seven. We're going to finish them. Jason, we're going to finish them. All right. So just to be clear... We're going to watch them all? Yes. All four of them? Not at once. Two right. at a time. Two more and we then two more.
1: Well, we can't skip any, right?
0: We can't skip any. <sighs> I'm sorry. Right. We're going to finish them. We we made our bed and we're going to sleep in it. And yeah. um, then we're going to get to Madison and once again decide what to do. <laughs> yeah, we made our bed. We're going to poop in it. That's exactly what the show is doing. That's an Amber Heard reference. Well, if I, I don't if I, may. I, I we don't have to, I don't want to talk about that now. I haven't seen a minute of that and I don't give two flying craps about what's going on with them. I know you've been watching the whole thing, right?
1: Well, they're on a they're on a the hiatus this week because the the, the judge said a conference. <laughs> okay, so, so the the, thank the, God. the televised trial went on hiatus, did it? <laughs> well, the judge had to go to a conference because all the judges in that area get together every year to talk about the new laws that are coming out in June. Right So they have to under they're judges. they have to understand what the laws how the laws are going to change in the next thing. So every year they get together, this is the week that they do that. uh they're probably out getting fucking wrecked at the bar after learning about uh uh you know laws and stuff, but uh, there's no trials in that area at all this week, so okay. uh the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is uh it's on a bye week.
0: okay, well, good for them. <laughs> I will not watch it when it comes back either. <laughs> sure. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. No new patrons to talk about this week. Uh, I don't think anyways. I probably should have checked. But if if there's anyone, I'll get you next time. I promise. Uh, but if you want to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash the talking dead. It's a great way to help out. It's a great way to support the show. And it's a great way to be in the running for... A, a prize when The Walking Dead comes back in the fall, which we still don't know when is going to happen. I wish AMC, like they announce everything else and spoil everything, but they can't tell us when the show's going to be back on the air. So come on, AMC, yeah. let us know.
1: Well, it's the same thing. It's just, it, think of it like snow, right? The snow is going to happen in the fall, but they can't tell us exactly when. Sure. Right? We'll figure it out when it gets here, I'm sure. Except that AMC could tell us, you know, and I wish they would. They don't know. They're like, yeah, it's it's you know, the farther out you go, the fuzzier things look, right? It's like that'll all solidify. We got to wait and see what this, how this pans out, and how mm-hmm. this pans out, and how they all kind of work together. So I'm not sure that they know either. Like, it's not cemented in. It's just we probably are trying to hit this date, but we have some other dependencies that are uh, that are in flux that we have to figure out before we can formally announce it. All that right, makes sense. Fair enough.
0: I, I still want to know though, and I wish they would get around to telling us so. AMC, once you know, make sure we know. Sure. Uh, That's patreon.com slash the talking dead to, to help out, support the show. Thank you so much to everyone who does that. And of course, everyone who listens, if you don't want to support in that way, I mean, just go leave us a star rating or review at Apple podcasts or other platforms. Uh, Five stars is preferred and, and expected. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what expected. Just going to say. Preferred and appreciated, let's say. Let's say that. Yeah, that's better. Uh, That would be fantastic. All right. Uh, So we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the next two episodes of Fear the Walking Dead. In the meantime, though, if you want to get in touch with us, find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top to record a message that will get sent right into us. And if you just want to send an email, you can do that at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right, this has been fun tonight, Jason. Thank you for participating and uh, not wanting to throw yourself off a building after watching these episodes. I would never do that. I know. I'd throw the show off the building before I'd throw me off the building. Pull an SCTV and just throw the TV off the top of the building.
1: Remember I that? My TV. Oh, yeah, well, no, I remember that. Yeah. But it's less, a little less dramatic now with uh, flat screen TVs. It just kind of cracks and <laughs> they just but sort it doesn't of
0: explode like a CRT. Float down on the wind and then land on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us this time. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao.